You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's The Good Wife After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's The Good Wife After Show. All right, so you guys out there know that Bing is for doing, and we are here doing another After Buzz TV show for The Good Wife. I'm your host, Billy Nellis, with you as always. Um, we've got a lot to talk about today. We've got two episodes to break down for you, episodes 16 and 17 of season three, entitled After the Fall and Long Way Home. Um, so we have a lot of ground to cover, but first, Ronnie in the booth has some information for you guys. Ronnie? Well, just so many good things are going on at After Buzz, Billy, as you know. Of uh, we, uh, of course, love The Good Wife. You know, Billy was telling me, I was, I was asking, like, what is it about The Good Wife? You're, you're saying this is, like, one of the best network shows out there right now. I would say it's one of the best adult network dramas. Smart. Yeah. You know, it's written smart, and uh, I want to know more about it, so that's great. What I do want to say is uh, we're doing great on iTunes, Billy, let me tell you, but we need and, and appreciate all the comments and to go on our iTunes page and also uh, rate us. That's, like, really important. And you got to understand, guys, Billy, he shows up, he works hard, he pulls the research for these shows, so do us a favor back and say, oh, we like it, we like the Good Wife After Show. So that's all we really ask for you, and, you know, we got a lot of good things going on over here at the network. Uh, of course, Maria on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Support that March uh, 19th. That's this Monday. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can definitely uh, watch that on ABC. But right now, let's talk about uh, a CBS show. This is CBS, right? That is. Uh, yeah. The CBS show that I follow is more uh, Blue Bloods. But I hear this is really <laughs> good. So tell me about it, Billy. All right. Well, I mean, a lot of ground to cover might be a little foreign to you, Ronnie. But um, let's go right into... After the fall, episode 16, two weeks ago. Um, not going to talk so much about the case of the week. Uh, it was pretty cut and dry and, and not so much to to um, sort of recall. But the biggest things that were that happened two weeks ago, number one, first and foremost, we finally have met Will's sisters. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I brought you guys the news that we would be meeting um, both Will's older and younger sister, and in the episode after the fall is when we finally meet them. Will is at home. As we know, he um, is facing this six-month suspension um, after the whole Wendy Scott Carr debacle, Um, and so he is unable to practice law. He's unable to consult on particular law cases. Um, He feels he can't be in the office, Um, and so he is taking this probation as a sort of sabbatical. Um, So the episode opens with him at home, and lo and behold, his sisters show up. Um, First, the younger one, who appears to be um, sort of flighty and... and, 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 you know, definitely the younger child of a large family. Um, and then the older sister shows up and she's, you know, much tougher. Um, I would, she's a little brassier, I think is a good word to describe her. And they're both here with this mission to 
to figure out what's going on in Will's life. They're concerned about this suspension. They're concerned about what he's going to do. They're concerned about why he's still single. All the things that sort of the typical nagging um, family member would be concerned with. Um, So they show up on his doorstep. They're here to stay. They're here to take care of him. Um, And, you know, this this whole development had been teased and teased in the sort of, um, you know, entertainment uh, news sphere that we were going to be meeting Will's family. And I was really excited about meeting these two characters, especially the actresses playing them, Merritt Weaver, um, who is fantastic as Zoe on Showtime's Nurse Jackie, who played the younger sister, and um, Nadia Johnny, who was also on Showtime's The Big C. Um, both great actresses. I was excited to see them come into the fold. The Good Wife is always really great about bringing in just these top-notch guest stars, having these fully fleshed characters, um, already from scene one um, that just are really folded into the story nicely. Um, but I was sort of surprised at my reaction towards the sisters. Um, they felt a little silly, um, a little too farcical, I think, for the world of The Good Wife. Um, I think that in its three seasons, The Good Wife has managed to always remain relatively grounded and realistic Um, I wouldn't use the word gritty. It's not a gritty show by any means. But it it does feel very real and very natural um, and never too over-the-top or sensational or anything like that. Um, And Will's sisters come into town and they sort of bring this this, this farce with them that that I think was was sort of out of place. Um, We know that they're going to be back. They weren't back this last episode, episode 17, Um, But we do know that they are scheduled for, I believe, at least two more episodes this season. Um, So I'm hoping that there'll be more um, from these characters rather than just this sort of comic relief that I don't really think is necessary. Um, I mean, my opinion, if you disagree, call in, uh, comment to us, email us, let us know. Um, But for me, it did feel a little little too much, a little over the top, a little... um, uncharacteristic for the show from what we've come to expect in its three seasons. Um, but in this, we do see that Will is sort of, like I said, wanting to, to see the suspension as a sabbatical, as a time to sort of recharge, um, get away from all of this stress. And, you know, especially after what he's gone through with, um, the whole Wendy Scott Carr debacle. Um, but, his sisters blow into town and very quickly push him back into um, the office in any capacity that he can legally be there under the terms of his suspension. Um, and it's spelled out for us that he cannot um, he cannot counsel on any specific cases unless they are former cases of his that he had already worked on and were handed over. He is allowed to um, give advice on those Um He's allowed to be within the firm for any of their financial dealings as he is a partner financially with Lockhart Gardner. Um, and he's allowed to sort of do some of the other things that they that they take care of that aren't legal. But as far as legal ground stands, he is um, off limits. Um, and we see that this sort of sets off a inter-office politicking um, that's always been there, but now this this opening has brought it to the forefront between David Lee, Julius, and Eli. Um, and we see the three of them quickly attempting to one-up each other, um, making a run for 
Will's um, open this open place that's been left by by Will Gardner leaving. You know, we we know that they had to change the name to um, Lockhart and Associates because Will's name can't be on the letterhead right now. Um, there's an open office. There's all of this stuff that has just been left open, and it's the perfect opportunity for these people like David Lee and Eli, who are power hungry. They can never have enough, and they are subordinates in this firm. And we've known as we've watched them for these three seasons that they, they always want more. And this has been the perfect opportunity for them to go for that. Um, so we see these three men sort of vying for this position, trying to one-up each other, trying to um, make secret alliances with each other. Julius and Eli sort of come together because Eli can't stand David. Um, and so we see all of this. And throughout it all, Diane is... Uh, I think flabbergasted. I don't think she knows quite what to do. I don't think she, she clearly doesn't want to replace Will. Um, in her hopes of hopes, she doesn't have to. Um, and throughout the episode, she's consistently trying to get Will um, to come in in any capacity to just sort of stop this, squash it in any way that it can. Um, and so in that respect, it's great that his sisters come in and they're so over the top because they do push him by the end of after the fall episode 16 back into the office um, in the limited capacity that he can be there. And it sort of squashes this uh, this tension that's ratcheting between these three men. Um, beyond that, I think the other big thing that after the fall put forward was this um, this growth of the character of Caitlin. You know, we saw her come in early this season um, Alicia, who was, as we remember, tasked to hire her. She didn't want to hire her. She wasn't the best hire of the candidate pool. Um, but she is David Lee's niece. Um, as you remember, she was sort of um, pushed into the position in a case of nepotism. Um, and so we've constantly been wondering since she came in, you know, what is this character about? We are wondering, would she be any good? She has proved herself to be quite a capable first-year um, junior associate Um She's handled herself very well. And in this episode, she handles herself so well in her first cross-examination that she's done solo that Diane um, immediately promotes her, um, gives her an office, um, asks Alicia to share her her secretary with her for a couple of weeks until they can get another one. Um, and while all this is going on, Alicia, we can, we can see, it's never verbalized, but we can see on Alicia's face as she receives all of these different parcels of information, that she's sort of uncomfortable. She's not comfortable with this place that she's finding herself in relation to Caitlin. I think that for so long, Alicia has been the, you know, the the new, even though she's coming back after 15 years, she's she was the wonderkind of Lockhart Gardner. She was the new associate who could do no wrong. She, you know, was so successful and so new, and she was the new thing. Um... And I think she's threatened by Caitlin. Um, we see, you know, when she was flirting with, when Caitlin flirted with Will, Alicia was sort of threatened by that as well. Um, so there's been this sort of idea that the creators, the writers have put into our heads that Caitlin is is a competition. There, there's something happening here that, that they're pitting them against each other. And is Caitlin trying to, to overshadow Alicia, take over Alicia? Um, after the fall, really puts these questions into our head and we see 
you know, as the episode ends and Alicia is watching Caitlin um, bring her things into the office, um, that she's very uneasy about this. And that's where we're left with After the Fall. Um, With that, I think we need to jump right into episode 17, this last week's episode, Long Way Home, um, which does wonders at putting this sort of Caitlin mystery, if you even want to call it that, um, to, to rest. Um, we do see the sort of conclusion of this Caitlin arc. Um, so let's just jump right into it. I must say you're doing a good job. You're already on episode number two. You're on the second one already? Good <laughs> job, man. And he's doing... Ladies and gentlemen, he's doing this on his own. You got to understand. So do us a favor. Go to iTunes, rate him, <laughs> um, put a comment like, "Wow, if anything, at least he talks about two episodes on his own." I mean, who else could do that? Call us up four two four two five six seventeen twenty nine. That's four two four two five six seventeen twenty nine. Somebody the other day, Billy told me I said it really quick. The phone number. But it's because I sing it is what it turns out. <laughs> so if I, I, I say it really quickly too, I always have to repeat myself because I run through it so fast to try and remember it. I think. And then right now I was like four two four, and I was like, gosh, I don't even know. <laughs> so it's four two four two five six seventeen twenty nine. All right, back to Billy in this uh, next episode. All right, so we we see, um, you know, this further escalation of what after the fall put into our heads that Caitlin is trying to um, steal some of Alicia's glory Um, in the beginning of the episode Caitlin is addressing um, the war room in regards to you know updates on Colin Sweeney's case Colin Sweeney is back this week our our favorite wife murderer um, has returned for his fourth episode Um, we'll get to that in a second um but she says, you know, I'm due in court this afternoon and Will, of all people, um, breaks in and in the conversation and says, actually, Alicia, aren't you due in court this afternoon? Because it is Alicia's case. Alicia has taken over. Alicia is the first chair. Um, and Alicia says, yes, Caitlin and I both are due. And as she walks out, she says, thank you, Will. Um, so we see that Will is sort of coming to um to realize what's going on kalinda pulls alicia aside and tells her she needs to keep her eye on caitlin that she's hungry like a piranha um so they're really i think that in long way home this last episode it it became more on the nose for us um what they wanted us to think caitlin was and it became more on the nose because they, they wanted us to make sure we were feeling that way so that the third act reveal of what actually was going on with Caitlin um, came as such a shock because that wasn't the natural conclusion we felt was coming to it. Um, you know, we see Diane says that um, Caitlin came to her with her idea of how to um, continue um, and Alicia doesn't even know what she's talking about. Um, and so Alicia finally confronts her and, you know, just says to her, you know, let me, I, I want to say something to you and take this as constructive advice from a mentor. And she says, um, don't ever undercut your mentor again. Uh, <laughs> and and walks out. Um, and as she is coming in and, and, and addresses this with her, we do see Caitlin trying to hide something. She closes her computer very quickly. She, she closes her books very quickly. So we're not sure what's going on with Caitlin at this point. But Alicia is finally stepping up and and is going to do something about it. Um, she's very quickly given sort of a, a dressing down by David Lee. Um, 
who who shouts at her and says that Caitlin's resigning. Um, what did you do to her? I know that you were supposed to mentor her, but you didn't have to put her through the hazing that you put her through. And um, you w- shouldn't have made any enemies. And really threatens Alicia. And really, um, you know, David Lee, we see him now time and again. He is this loose cannon. He is constantly, I think, looking for a battle. Um, and we're not sure what Caitlin told him. We don't, that was done off camera. We don't know what Caitlin has said. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, in that instance, I thought, okay, Caitlin just totally went to David, totally um, threw Alicia under the bus, made it much more bigger than it was, as we saw. Um, so I was like, okay, Caitlin, it's time for Caitlin to go. This this needs to be over. Um, and so we cut to Caitlin in um, a meeting with Diana and Alicia. And she explains that she is resigning, in fact, because she's pregnant and engaged and just wants to be a mom and doesn't want to work anymore. Um, and Diane says to her, you know, you know, they try and say that there's so many things that she, they, they can do to work around this and they'd love to keep her. And she says, you know, no, I, I want to be a mom. This is my my choice. Um, and she gets up and leaves and Diane asks Alicia to please speak to her. And so she does go and speak to her um, and it's all explained. Caitlin says, you know, I apologize if you thought I was hiding something from you yesterday. I was hiding my wedding invitations. I didn't want you to think I was being silly. Um, I was embarrassed. Um, and, you know, Alicia tries to give her this this sort of mentor's advice that you don't have to choose one or the other. Um, as, and it's made evident through what how Caitlin responds and the way that Diane and Alicia sort of see this choice that Caitlin is making as this this true generational difference where women like Diane and Alicia fought for the opportunity to be mothers, to be wives, but also work and to have this sort of personal, professional life outside of the family. Um, and that that sort of fight is, is over. But these women th- are constantly feeling like they do have to... Um, choose and alicia says to her you don't have to choose between the two of these things you can have them both i've had them both you can have them and caitlin says to her i i want to choose i don't have anything to prove she says maybe it's my generation but i don't have anything to prove and if i do have anything to prove i don't want to prove it um so we do see this very clear um generational divide between women who realize what it's like to have to fight to be able to have a separate professional life on their own and caitlin who is of the generation who was raised to understand that she can do whatever she wanted she can be a mom she can not be a mom she can not be a wife she can have a job she can have whatever she wants um because of women like alicia and diane who sort of made that uh opportunity available to her um and they address this diane says you know i'm not sure if the glass ceiling um was broken for this and Alicia sort of neatly sums it up and she says, you know, I think it might have been. Um, and she sort of realizes that, you know, we were fighting and fighting for this to break this glass ceiling, to break how far women can go. And so often um, feminists, I guess, look down on women who choose not to have a career and instead choose to have a family, um, which shouldn't be looked down on because the fact that they can choose um, and she could be be a professional if she wanted to, is the victory, I think, um, for the generation of Caitlyn. 
Um, so that's the end of Caitlin. She packs up and leaves. She was no real threat. She wants to be a mom. <laughs> and and off she goes. Um, not what I saw coming. Not after the buildup um, in the episode prior, the episodes prior to that. Um, so it was it was a cool little little um, hat trick they pulled off the way that they uh, had us going one way and, and really really turned it on its head um, and had it be something completely different. Um, so we say goodbye to her and uh, I guess that's that for Caitlin. Um, this week was also a lot heavier on Alicia's personal life. Um, in the beginning of the episode, Zach and Grace call her. Um, and say that the landlord is there and explaining they have 90 days to make a decision to leave or to buy into the condo conversion of their building. Um, he tries to BS her and saying that he told her husband a year ago um, and trying to set up a timeline because there is legal uh, legal guidelines on how they have to inform tenants when they're going to do a conversion into ownership. Um, and clearly the building didn't do that. But he's trying to set up the fact that he had. Um, Alicia, you know, calls Peter immediately. Peter says he'll sign an affidavit. They're lying, blah, blah, blah. But Peter advises her, you know, you should buy in. You like living there. You're making the money. You should do it. Um, Alicia seems really uncertain that she does have the money to do that. She calls the landlord. She finds out it's going to be, I believe, $1.2 million just to buy in. And then she's going to have to pay 375000 for parking a year and then some other sort of home ownership fee um that's another absurd amount of money and you see this sort of look of panic on her face she calls dan wants to talk about a raise um which doesn't happen this episode towards the very until towards the very end um and is still pushed off um and i believe we'll probably see um the next episode um but so alicia begins to look at um options that she can afford and she doesn't seem to like any of them and the realtor who she looks at them with informs her that Her old home, the home she lived in when she and Peter were still together before any of the uh, events of this series ever happened, um, is back on the market, that the people who currently own it, the family who own it, are upside down in their mortgage and they're trying to do a a quick sell. Um, And Alicia says, you know, no, that you can tell that's not a a thing she wants to go back to. Um, But the realtor ever so sneaky drops the um flyer for the house off at the house at the apartment with the kids and of course the kids uh want to go home they want to go back to their house where they grew up they don't want to be in an apartment anymore they want to have their sort of normalcy back they think that maybe it will bring alicia and peter back together so they're obviously pushing very heavily for this alicia tries to explain you know i wish we had the money to go back there but i don't think we do um And then we have this great scene at the end where Alicia does go to look at the house. Um, And it's really a scene and there's, there's nothing spoken whatsoever um, in, in these last, I would say five minutes um, where Alicia walks through and there's just this gamut of emotions that Juliana Margulies goes through in these five minutes um, that are, are handled so perfectly um, from the, sort of the joy of going back to this place where she once lived and finding the little quirks that she remembers. She pulls the door handle out and remembers that that door handle was broken. Um, she's, you know, at this point, it's sort of this nice um, reminiscence. And then after that, she walks to 
past the master bedroom and it quickly sours and it very quickly reminds her of everything she's gone through with Peter and how this this relationship is so broken. Um, and then she walks into the kitchen and pulls open a closet door or a pantry door, some door that she remembers where the heights of the kids growing up had been marked um, and they're still there, which is kind of odd. You would think that a homeowner would paint over that if they had bought a house, but they're still there. Um, and, you know, there's there's that joy, that, that thing that she thought she had lost. Um, and then she quickly sees and remembers where she and Peter's heights were marked and it very quickly goes back to this very bittersweet um, memory and, and she slams the door and that's the end of the episode. And it's such an impressive sequence for Juliana Margulies and it really illustrates for me why this woman has won Emmys for this role, why this role was just so perfect for her um, and what Robert and Michelle King, the creators, have done um, in in creating this and how wonderful um, of, a, of a pair it's become. Um, and it's just handled so well. It's it's done so perfectly it's expressed so so it's so small i think is the best way to describe it it's it's not over the top it's not over dramatic it's handled very maturely very realistically and it's done in such an emotional but small way that it is just such a winning sequence on these last five minutes that i was just whatever else had happened in this episode that that last little bit just won me over completely um, and Alicia closes the door and it's sort of, I mean, to me, it sort of signified that this, she cannot go backwards. Um, she's not the woman she was when she lived there. She's not, her family's not the family it was when they lived there. And to go back there as wonderful as it would be, would be so idealistic and so, um, naive and so impossible it, it would be trying to recreate something that doesn't exist anymore and, and will never exist anymore. Um, should she and Peter ever get back together, it won't be what it was then. Um, it will always be different. And I think that in those moments, she realizes that as much as she wants to go back there, as much as she wants to give that to her kids, um, that she knows that she can't. And, and I think that was the final realization of that. Um, and it was just a, a stellar standout moment for Juliana Margulies and for the character as well. Um, moving on from Alicia, though, we, we also have these goings-ons in Peter's office. Um, Eli informs him that um, there is, you know, these these blogs, you know, we're still pushing for Peter to become governor. Eli's still big on this. We saw that last week. They meet with... Um, they meet with the uh, Democratic um, woman whose name I'm completely blanking on right now, but they speak with her about what his chances are of getting this keynote speech at the 2012 Democratic Convention. Um, she says, you know, she likes him, but a lot of his friends in politics are talking very poorly about him um, because of how clean he's trying to run his office. He isn't, you know, doing the favors that the people want him to do. Um, and so we saw at the end of the last episode that he does have to hire this sort of hack um, guy within the Democratic Party who's not very good. Peter didn't want him at the state's attorney's office, um, but he's sort of forced into hiring him so that people will start speaking more highly of him again. And they overlook Geneva, um, one of Carrie's associates who was up for the position, or I believe even had the position, and they actually 
moved her somewhere else instead. Um, and so this episode, Eli, you know, says there's there's still all of this chatter on the blogs. There's this whole sort of thing that there's some sex scandal in his office that two um, AUSAs had sex in his office locally and on his couch um, and that that this isn't the clean office that he um, thought he was running. So Peter tasks Carrie to figure out what exactly went on. Um, and Geneva, who knows about Carrie and Dana, who's pissed about last week, um, is really a thorn in Carrie's side this episode, calling out the hypocrisy that, you know, Carrie was engaged in a, a similar um, fraternization, um, but no one's looking for him. No one is calling him out. Um, through the investigation, Carrie finds out that it was um, this this attorney named Jeremy who did have sex um, with his subordinate. So it was a supervisor subordinate fraternization. Um, but there is this uh, little wrench in, in the plan of Peters to just get rid of them, zero tolerance. In that they're black and they're gay, and Carrie is worried that it will could look negatively if he fires someone for having gay sex. That he's not liberal, he's not open to that. That's why he did it. Um, but Peter says no. We're clean office, zero, you know what, uh, zero tolerance. They have to go. So Jeremy's fired, um, and Geneva comes in to Carrie again, and still you know pushing this the screw in further on Carrie and says. You know, they fired Jeremy uh, really, I mean, blatantly insinuates that she thinks that Peter has an issue with race, um, that three um, attorneys of color have been um, fired, that she has been moved over for, for a white man who was brought in, and that Carrie had fraternization and nothing is happening to him. Um, and so... Carrie says, well, if you believe that, then go. Tell him what I did. Tell him then. And she says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not like that. You you should tell him yourself. Um, and so we do see Carrie go in, and he tells her um, what he tells, I'm sorry, he tells Peter what he had done. And Peter says, you know, I know you, you're a good person. You you weren't her uh, supervisor. Um, we're just going to let it go. And he says, you can't. Carrie says, you can't let it go. I feel like I need to resign or there needs to be some suspension or something. Um, and we're left with Peter just saying, I need to think about it. Um, so it's just another instance of Peter being pressured into um, going back to the old Peter, doing things for people and not running this this clean, this transparent public office like he really wanted to the second time around. Um, and all of this going on, we still haven't even spoken about this Colin Sweeney case. I'm not going to talk about it in full detail because it's not that important. Just the fact that it's another instance of Colin Sweeney being pretty creepy um, on the show. Um, but the biggest exciting part for me of Colin Sweeney being here this whole thing was that B.B. Newirth, the great, incredible B.B. Newirth, came in and did a guest spot as a judge. And I hope that The Good Wife brings her back um, just because I've been obsessed with her since Cheers. Um so with that, let's cut to a commercial break. We're going to come back and do some quick news and gossip, and then we're going to talk about next week's episode. We'll be right back. Hi, I was once like you, a lazy, angry loner whose only joy was watching TV and surfing the net. 
And like you, after I'd see one of my favorite TV shows, I'd be so excited and have so many questions that I'd actually have to talk to my douchebag co-workers about it at the water cooler. Then I discovered AfterBuzzTV.com. AfterBuzzTV produces after-show webcasts and podcasts for TV series of all kinds, like post-game wrap-up shows for all your favorite TV shows. AfterBuzzTV hosts are industry insiders who break down episodes of shows, take calls from fans, and interview cast and crew from each series with over 60 different after-shows, from Boardwalk Empire to American Idol to Vampire Diaries to Real Housewives and more. Now, after a night of TV, I can ignore my stupid co-workers, who I hate, and go straight to my desk and watch or listen to all my favorite AfterBuzz TV after shows and have all the TV fan interaction I need. Thank you, AfterBuzz TV. AfterBuzz TV. What do you want to buzz about? AfterBuzz TV News. All right, let's get right into it. So last time I talked about how um, the news had broke that Matthew Perry was coming in to do um, a guest arc. Um, there's now some more details about his character. On March 25th, Matthew Perry begins his multiple, multi-episode arc on CBS's The Good Wife um, as hotshot Chicago attorney Mike Kresteva. Producers Robert and Michelle King wanted the character to be more charming and charismatic than Alicia's previous adversaries. And Perry, a self-professed fan of the show, was on the top of their list. The Legal Eagles meet when Alicia is selected as the sole woman on a panel of civilians looking into a suspicious police shooting. And Kristeva is the chair. We suspect he won't know what hit him. Quote, the relationship between the two is friendly at first, then friendly with an edge, then less friendly, then adversarial, then angrily opposed, then resigned to being angrily opposed, according to the Kings. Watching Margulies and Perry work together was a delight, the producers add. We were thrilled and only wish ill of Matthew's pilot on NBC called Go On, so we can kidnap him and have him act in all of our episodes next year. And some incredible news for The Good Wife overall. CBS yesterday just ordered a fourth season along with 17 other series in a majorly bulk early renewal announcement. So we have at least one more season of The Good Wife to look forward to. And that is your news uh, for The Good Wife this week. Let's just jump right into some predictions. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. Okay, so the preview for next week shows two big returns um we see lewis canning michael j fox's um recurring character returns um and we also see elizabeth reeser who plays tammy will's ex comes back um that one i was shocked about i haven't seen anybody on um, any of the entertainment websites talking about her returning so that took me heavily by surprise um and looking at the press website for next week, um, the big points are that, you know, Lewis Canning is back and he still has this freestanding, open um, job offer to Alicia. And as we saw this week, there's these issues going on. She wants to talk about a raise. Diane says, I don't know if it will be everything you want. Um, will this finally be the time when Alicia will take Lewis Canning up on his offer? I don't think so because it wouldn't make much sense, but it will be interesting to see um, the sparring between her and Lewis this time. Um, Tammy coming back is... Um, I, I'm, I'm hot and cold on that. I like Elizabeth Reeser a lot. I don't like the character of Tammy. I think it was written kind of weirdly. It was another one of the, like, Will's sisters. Um, a little 
too cartoony, too too over the top for me. Um, but what her return will do, uh, who knows? It, it should be very interesting. Um, and on the press website, also it says that Diane has a big choice to make. And we see that Gary Cole, who plays her Republican um, sort of boyfriend guy from a couple of the past two seasons, is back as well as um, Mr. Copeland, the character from earlier this season, who was the Australian um, process server. So the two men we've ever seen Diane be attracted to in the same episode should be a lot of fun um, for fans of Diane. Um, And I am one of the biggest. Um, So we've got a lot of great stuff to look forward to next week. Um, We will be back here same time uh, Thursday at 7. From everybody here at AfterBuzz TV, thank you so much for watching. If you like what you are seeing, please go to iTunes, like, comment, anything. Check us out next week. Have a good night. Bye. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. We'll buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 